0: The Justice is sponsored by the new ABC series American Crime. This March, one crime will affect so many lives. From the Oscar winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave comes this year's most extraordinary drama. Don't miss American Crime, premiering Thursday, March 5th, 10 9 Central on ABC.
1: The following podcast
2: contains explicit language. <laughs> It's Thursday, February 26, 2015. From Slate, It's the Gist. I'm Mike Pasca. The Federal Communications Commission voted three to two to implement. Net neutrality rules. Yay, neutrality. It's hard to get super pumped up for the concept of neutrality, right? Wave that Switzerland flag. Everyone always cites Switzerland. Turkmenistan and Andorra also technically neutral. And now so is the internet. I shouldn't say now. The internet's always been neutral. This will pretty much guarantee that no one gets any favorable treatment or can buy their way to better access if they take up more bandwidth. And that's important, supposedly, because if they start charging people more, it might stop stymie creativity it might stymie development so they say now I think from what I understand it's good I'm a consumer I'm not Netflix but I applaud this decision I think but I want to figure some things out and I want to ask someone who knows about this so we're going to play one question one question only with Will Aramis who covers tech for Slate hello Will Hi, Mike. So before I even get to the one question, Will, I'm going to make an analogy, because that's how you have to talk about net neutrality. Maybe the internet's like a toll road, and the internet service providers say, hey, we should be able to charge more to the multi-axle heavy trucks than passenger cars. But the drivers say, oh, that's bull. What you're going to do is build a beautiful asphalt lane for the drivers who pay more and a dirt road for everyone else. Decent enough analogy? That's not my one question, but... I get the analogy. Okay, you get the analogy. That's all I want. So here's my question. The opponents of net neutrality, the internet service providers, say, if we could charge companies that take up lots of bandwidth more because they are taking up lots of bandwidth, that is good. We're incentivized to solve their problem. They want to pay us. But if you cap what we could charge them, we're never going to be incentivized to invent more efficient ways to get these bandwidth hogs to your home. What do you think of that argument? That is my one question. First of all,
1: let's admit that it's possible that this could have some effect on the incentives for the companies that are providing the Internet services. Mm -hmm. Let's admit that. Some people are going to disagree with that. I'll admit it. It's possible that on the margins there could be some effect where the broadband company says, look, you know, I might have built this uh, great new upgraded last mile service if I was allowed to charge Netflix out the wazoo for it but I can't, so I'm not gonna invest as much and everybody's just gonna end up with slightly crappier internet. Mm -hmm. I think that's unlikely. And the reason I think it's unlikely is because The last mile internet service is already a profoundly distorted market. This is not a free market we're talking about here. There are usually, in most markets, there are two people who can give you internet service. It's the telephone company and it's the cable company. That's it. And so in practice, what we're going to see, what we already see, is a lack of incentive to innovate. That's why our internet service is crummy in in the first place. And competition is the reason for that. Now... One idea that the companies had to make more money was to charge more for the bandwidth hogs like Netflix. Uh, But, you know, realistically, when there are only two competitors in the market, it's going to amount to sort of backroom deals. The worry is it's going to amount to favoritism. It's going to amount to the incumbents getting to lock in the good service, everybody else getting the cruddy service. And that's going to outweigh any negative effect that that you might have seen overall.
2: All right. That, I think, is a good and fair answer. It's a trade-off, and it's worth the trade-off that we're seeing the FCC enact today. I think a lot of people think it's, it's very much worth it. Will Aramis covers tech for Slate. Thank you, Will. Thanks, Mike. In the show today, I spiel about Iranian pain coming mainly from Khamenei. And we have bear news. How much bear news? Well, there are these alcoholic bears in Russia, and zoos wouldn't take them because they're alcoholic. But Brigitte Bardot, yeah, the former French sex kitten, said, I'll take the bears. Why do I bring this up? Because we have so much other bear news, we can't even get to that bear news. Here now, Bear News. It's a bull market for bear hunts. New Jersey implemented one five years ago and more bears were killed in 2014 than the year before. That's 267 bears killed in New Jersey in 2014, so had never gone up before. State of Florida is considering overturning its 20-year ban on bear hunting. Connecticut's considering that too. Let me read a little from the Vermont webpage about bear hunts. Vermonters value bears for many reasons. Some hope to view a bear while hiking. Others never need to see one. Just knowing that bears roam the woods improves the quality of their lives. Still others see bears as a traditional food source. These people find that bear hunting is a thread that binds them to the rich fabric of Vermont's past. They do, all of them? I would say the eaters do, not the ones who just are happy to have the bears in the woods. Anyway, we are joined now by Ray Wynne Grant, who's a faculty fellow at Columbia University. Hello, Ray.
0: Hi, she studies
2: bears in the woods, bears, black bears, brown bears? Just
0: black bears. Black
2: bears all over the world. That means this is another edition of Bear News. Go ahead, Andrea.
0: Bear the bear. Bear news.
2: Ah! So what would a professional such as yourself, a bear bear researcher, someone who loves bears but also knows the best thing for bear kind, how do you feel about bear hunts?
0: Oh, tricky question. Very loaded question. So as a biologist, first and foremost, I have to say that the duty of a biologist is to just generate the data. Yeah. And then the data is given to policymakers, and they do with it what they will. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that we kind of stay out of the policy aspect. I will say, from a biology standpoint, that when a population of bears is robust enough, so it's big enough, it's healthy enough, it's growing at the right rate— some hunting offtake isn't so bad for the population. It won't let it crash. There is the potential, though, that the wrong kind of hunting, maybe taking too many female animals or too many cubs or some kind of mismanagement can lead to a really bad situation for the population.
2: Is there a better way, um, maybe a less fun for the hunter way, but is a bear hunt the most efficient way to call the bear population?
0: It's arguable. So, in you know, in terms of the United States, there's so much development going on, and all that kind of stuff. That habitat fragmentation does a pretty good job at culling bear populations, anyway. There's just less area for them to live less resources for them to use, less food, all of that. So nature kind of in trouble in general. Right,
2: So, and that's why proponents of bear hunts want it. I think the state of Florida mentioned that there were three bear attacks since 2012. So great, one a year but it's just because their habitats are being encroached upon.
0: Exactly. And don't get it twisted, too. A lot of people think that bears are in human communities more because they're being pushed out of their kind of forested areas. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is that bears are attracted to human communities because we're mismanaging our waste.
2: Yes. So bears can get as much food as they need in a forest, but if it's easier to get it from a garbage, they'll definitely go for the garbage.
0: Correct. Guess what
2: other species is like that, by (laughs) the way? Oh, I
0: can't imagine. Hmm. Another carnivore. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So hunting isn't the major cause of death of bears. What is?
0: Yeah. So a lot of people think, you know, when they think of human-induced mortality to animals like black bears, they think of them being killed or shot with guns, like hunting. But actually, especially in the study system where I work out west, the number one mortality source of black bears is vehicle collisions.
2: Really? On highways or on On, small roads? On
0: roads in general, so kind of heavy-use roads. So highways for sure are super dangerous, but a lot of times bears will be avoiding highways anyway just because, you know, they're not... They're not that stupid. You know, they know that these fast-moving cars are dangerous.
2: Yeah, But just general. Most bears actually technically aren't smarter than the average bear. That's a tautology. <laughs> it could. It's logically impossible, which a bear wouldn't know because the average bear is not that smart. But anyway, yeah, bears know to avoid the highways.
0: It's true. And so actually bears are getting hit a lot in these winding roads that go through forests and mountains and whatnot.
2: So what do you do besides put up a sign that says bear crossing?
0: Well, I mean, I think that's a pretty good policy strategy personally I mean signs to just you know raise awareness that bears are crossing drive slow don't yeah. you know don't don't panic when you do see an animal crossing the road great strategy um there's
2: also self interest at stake Bears will wreck your car
0: absolutely I mean vehicle collisions with bears actually cause a good amount of deaths as well to people. So, you know, bears aren't really attacking people and killing them as much as being hit, struck by vehicles and passengers are dying. So in my personal opinion, and I understand it's very costly, but there are some states and there are some countries in the world that are doing a pretty good job of making bear crossings, or, you know, they kind of expand it to larger wildlife crossings in general, underpasses and overpasses to these major roads, and they're extremely effective.
2: All right. So we've asked our listeners to uh, either hashtag Bear News or tweet you BearDavis29 with bear questions. We have a bunch. Some I'm not even going to put to you, but I do appreciate A.J. Wilkes, who asked, do bears give a shit about the Vatican? It's a good theological question. (laughs) There are bears
0: in Italy. There are. Uh Yeah, they might care.
2: Okay. (laughs) 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 Oh, Catholic bears. Yeah, exactly. All right. Here's a good one. This is from Matthew Bellinger why do bears have a quiet dignity that is sorely lacking in other animals? Now, I know you like bears. Do you think they have a quiet dignity?
0: Bears are quiet, yeah. I mean, remember that these are solitary animals. So as opposed to maybe wolves or something that live in packs their whole lives, bears are almost always by themselves, unless we're talking about a mother with her cubs. So, yeah, they're quiet. They don't have a lot to talk about, you know. They're kind of
2: (laughs) Not gossips. Okay, (laughs) dignity.
0: If you go back, you know, there's so much folklore about bears, you know, even from this country and from a lot of native and indigenous groups they have a high regard for black bears brown bears grizzly bears even considering them you know spirit animals themselves so let's just go for it yeah bears have this quiet dignity that we just can't get enough of
2: Ilya maritz public radio reporter friend of mine Ilya maritz asks how come black bears can sometimes be brown and how can i tell the difference
0: I love this question. Yeah, so black bears is the name of the species. So the American black bear is the name of the species. But they have all different colors of hair, um, or fur. And so that's what we call in the biology community, the phenotypic expression. So the genotypic expression is actually what's going on at the genetic level, right, that gives it its identity. But the phenotype is what we see on the outside, so how the bear actually looks. And that has nothing to do sometimes with the actual genes. So just like human beings are homo sapiens, and that's one species, and we can have blonde hair, red hair, brown hair, black hair, or we can dye it and change it, it's actually the same with black bears. So black bears can be black, cinnamon colored, actually the ones Mm. that I work with out west are all like a nice cinnamon (laughs) color. Um, They can be gray, they can kind of be like a blue-black color, and then even some very rare ones in Canada are called spirit bears, and they're all white.
2: And they're not polar bears. Polar bears don't actually have white hair.
0: Right, their hair is actually more translucent yeah, it's if, more kind of a reflection. if we were holding small
2: strands of polar bear hair, we'd see right through it, but yeah. Exactly. surrounded by white. Yeah,
0: so I think your friend also asked, how can I tell yes. a brown bear apart from a black bear that is brown in color? <laughs> Which is a great question. So one thing to think about is where are you in... The world. So there are some places where you know brown bears do not exist. So, for example, most places in the United States have plenty of black bears. They might be brown, but they actually don't have any brown bears. If you're in Canada or Alaska, however, you might be more confused. So, in that case, you have to kind of look at the size of the bear. Black bears are smaller in stature, brown bears are larger. Brown bears also have these really cute, like, curved, round ears, whereas black bears have the pointier ears. So if you have time to actually take a close look at what the ear shape is, you'll be able to tell. Brown bears actually also have this hump on the back of their neck, you know, so it kind of looks like they have, like, big shoulders and they're hunched over more, where black bears don't have that. And then finally, the snout. So, a black bear's snout is completely pointed, whereas a brown bear's has kind of a little dip in the snout. So, again, you really have to be kind of studying the animal. Most cases, you're just going to want to back away no matter what. Maybe get your binoculars out and then look at the ears and the snout and the hump.
2: Back away, appear large. Note the snout, but appear large. Don't run. Don't turn tail. All of that. Now, another listener who I've interacted with in the past, who's also named after an animal, two animals actually, at Young Horsecock. Young Horsecock (laughs) asks, are photos of bears eating salmon swimming upstream the coolest image possible or what? He provides an image. image... But I don't know if that's a salmon.
0: <laughs> well, it is a fish. Yeah. And this is a picture of a grizzly bear grabbing a fish as it is spawning upstream. Yeah. They don't, so even, that it, is they a... don't even
2: use their paws and claws for that. They just go right for the mouth. Right, right for, the... for the mouth. I mean, wow. that is
0: an extremely badass photo, although I would argue that I think it's probably can't be too difficult to catch a fish that is spawning upstream if you're standing in the middle of the river.
2: Yes. But badass, absolutely. That question brings to mind another thing which unites two of my great passions, bears and flags. We're going to do a little bear news in Vexillology Corner in One. The flag of Andiar, the Russian province of Andiar, is this. I am now showing Ray. <laughs> it is a yellow bear holding a giant red fish that looks indistinguishable from a Swedish fish. It is about <laughs> half the size of the bear's body. The bear is lovingly, what can only be described as lovingly, stroking the fish, smiling, and his head is turned away from the fish as if to indicate, don't worry, I'm not going to eat this fish. Now, my question for you, Ray, is what species of bear does that look to be?
0: That is a fairly epic photo. So it's... It's <laughs> That's from a flag. That's a, a f- flag. flag. I'm sorry, a yeah. flag. And I was going to say that it definitely beats the California state flag, which also has a bear on it. Yeah. So this is absolutely a brown bear. So we're dealing with Russia... Yeah. It's a brown bear. Um, do you see the curved ears uh-huh. a little bit? You know, it's a good indication. Also, <laughs> the fact that it's standing up and it looks so humongous, I'm going to go with brown bear. But, you know, I'm kind of cheating because there's no black bears in Russia.
2: That's not cheating. Um, <laughs> you brought your you brought your ursine knowledge to our vexillological <laughs> corner and you've created uh, fusion.
0: It is true. I am just so impressed that this bear is lovingly cradling the fish <laughs> as opposed to just devouring it completely.
2: Yep. Just goes to symbolize that bears and fish can live together if only for a moment on a flag.
0: Peaceful coexistence.
2: Ray Wynne Grant is a faculty fellow at Columbia University. She studies bears in the wild. She comes on our show from time to time to lay some bear news at our feet. Thank you so much, Ray.
0: Thank you. This is great.
2: All right, let's hear about today's sponsor. This March, it's time to experience American crime. What? No. As a victim? Ah, uh-uh. it's a TV show. It's a good one one offense will send shockwaves through a community like never before, shattering families and igniting a media frenzy in this powerful, thought-provoking, and timely series. From the Oscar-winning screenwriter of 12 Years a Slave, his name is John Ridley, I'm kind of friendly with him, we worked at NPR together, really good screenwriter, comes this year's most extraordinary new drama, Felicity Huffman and Timothy Hutton star American Crime, premieres Thursday, March 5th, 10 9 Central on ABC. And let me also note this is the first time I've ever done an ad where I've done the 10 9 Central thing. So I'm pretty happy about that. And now the spiel Iran, a boat blasting scam. So you've heard of Big Hero 6. Well, you want another great piece of fiction? How about Great Prophet 9? That's the naval exercise conducted by Iran. And what they did was they blew up a fake U.S. warship, a Nimitz-class carrier. They just blasted the hell out of it with speedboats, with other ships. I guess it was kind of easy to rain hell upon the U.S. ship since it was made of papier-mâché or whatever. I guess this all depends on the United States ships being ma- Hey, what's up, Joel? I'm just in the middle of this. Hello, Michael. I'm just doing the spiel right now, so what's okay. up? Did you have an edit?
3: Did I have an edit? No, I'd like to talk to you about something. Would, okay. I've been thinking is it about this. Do about this Iranian Do I have thing? To put Do you, these?
2: the thing that I sent you about great profit. No, this no. is
3: about something else.
2: All right. Is Andy taping? Yeah. We don't... You should, okay, yeah. Andrea, I don't,
3: I'm just talking to Joel. No, here. I'll, yeah. I'll keep rolling. You'll keep rolling. So Andy is taping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's up? I want to start off by saying that we obviously have our comedic disagreements.
2: You know, the structure has been that comedic or whatever content I want to put out, you know, you always edit it. And I thought we've gotten along pretty well so far. I thought it's been pretty. A I'm not talking good about process. this show. I'm
3: talking about, like, I, I think Two and a Half Men has at its moments. You disagree. Right. I like Grown Ups with Adam Sandler, The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy, all this stuff. You like the progressive alternative <laughs> stuff. I guess. All right. But, yeah, yeah, okay. right. You but love
2: anyway, WKRP. You, I mean, I thought that was a shared uh, thing. But okay, fine. Right, yeah. But
3: anyway, you do have to admit that I have what it takes to recognize a good joke, right?
2: Ah, uh, you know, I mean, I yeah. Have the, I have the You're a funny guy. You're f- you have a good sense of humor, I I have the say, comedic sure. goods.
3: You know I'm a fan of your cheeky sensibility. Okay. All right. Now, with that said... Joel, I think I need a little more specificity. What are we what talking about? What I'm talking about is you putting me down after every show.
2: No, I don't. I Ask anyone in the office.
3: Okay. I hired you to be the performing monkey, and that's <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I was here
2: uh, many months okay, before. That, okay,
3: that's but... what you're paid yeah. for, but please don't crap on the accordion player's lap. That's me. Okay? That's good. That's good. The accordion player makes the monkey dance, All right. but when the accordion player stops playing, no, no more treats for monkey, right? Uh, okay. Monkey no longer afford banana pudding, Capish? Okay, <laughs> Joel, so-
2: Joel, Joel, I got to get this show out. I've got many more barbs to aim at the Iranians.
3: Michael, you know what? You can write all you want about me defecating and urinating into tree stumps, which I haven't done since college, if at all. But to write that my children do that?
2: Well, okay, listen. I apologize, Lorenzo Iden, Caleb, Aaron. They're lovely, lovely boys. You know what? Don't eat where you crap. That's all I'm saying. Maybe, you know, Andrea, I don't think, needs to be taping this. Do do
3: you think? Andy needs to be taping this. And I'll tell you another thing. If Andy isn't taping this, he's fired.
2: Well, Andy, as you know, because you're her boss, Andy, maybe, I mean, Andrea, maybe could. Uh, leave during the no, segment. No, this is great. All right. I could listen to this all day. Yeah, yeah you can
3: listen to this all day. Do you day know, out. could
2: you get Kat from HR on the phone right now, or...
3: Does Ira Glass talk about his producer marking trees and his producer's children going caca and No,
2: but that was partly the inspiration. He always talks about Tori Malatia, and then they use something in the show, and I just think the idea of repetition, it just creates a bond with the audience. I... But listen, I absolutely meant no harm, and I will never bring your children into it, if that's fair. Do
3: you like the smell of failure? No. Can you smell it? No. I can. can. Okay. It stinks like sadness, I'll tell you. Because sadness, like, failure. You yeah. know what it smells like? That worm cheese that people eat overseas. Do they want to go goofy? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it's gone, go- it's gone beyond goofy. <laughs> oh, Lord. Because you're one infraction away from becoming the world's most adored homeless podcaster.
2: Listen, Joel... I just have to complete the spiel. Maybe we could take this conversation offline, I think is a phrase. No, you I'm might... in
3: here now and I'm doing it. All right. Because you're at the Hootenanny and you're standing in a corner twiddling your thumbs, right? Yeah. So grab a tambourine or shut the hell up. Uh-huh, tambourine. Unfortunately, you're daily unceasing statements okay, about me scratching, rubbing, and licking trees have become a trigger point. But I've spoken to my karate sensei about this, uh-huh. and then my Bikram yoga instructor, Peter. Bikram yoga, yeah. And they both pled with you as I do to stop. I think, I, you know, I'm just reading things about how maybe
2: Bikram yoga has been discredited. Not that that's the point, but- Michael, I again, need, I, I need mm. to
3: once again reach my emotional cruising altitude. Okay. Okay? And it, it sounds like, quite frankly, you have a bad case of attitude. Sickness.
2: The analogies are coming fast and furious. And, you know, if you can see, that's essentially what I would, was doing in the credits, and what I have been doing in the credits, analogizing. It's, you don't actually think I'm a monkey, right, Joel? You don't actually think of yourself as an accordion player.
3: Michael, have I told you that my wife and I are having marital problems? No, I did not know Okay, that. she's an animal lover. Okay. About two weeks ago, I made the mistake of telling her that my biggest dream and my strongest sexual turn-on would be to swim with a dolphin and then eat it okay (laughs) okay so i am in the doghouse Uh i have to be honest with you so she's hearing every night her husband and children humping and bmming on trees she's already at at her breaking point now have you noticed me walking around with a limp and hunched over oh okay i'm sleeping on the sofa brother i can't even tie my rock ports Uh uh-huh that's why i've been in my oxford echoes for the past week
2: the eating the dolphin part uh metaphor
3: michael were you ever in the army no, do you despite know what, your analogy. Do you know what spit the winkle means? Uh, wow, I can imagine. I'm going to give you the industry equivalent. Go ahead. Okay. Do you know what it means? Uh, tell me what Okay, it means. when someone sticks a garden hose up their behind and fills up their intestines thought, with water. I thought that means. Then they it was walk like a mind. duck to their nearby yeah. target and yeah. launch a high pressure stream of water out of their backside. Uh huh.
2: That's an army thing.
3: You're doing a good job. and I Thank hate to, you. John. I hate to see you fail on a massive level. Mm hmm. I, I, <laughs> but <laughs> what I'd also hate is to see a write up in the radio, television, digital news association's mm-hmm. newsletter. Uh huh. I'll send you straight to channel eighty six. You wanna be channel eighty six? I see, see
2: eighty six me. Right? That's not a threat, that's that,
3: reality. Yeah.
2: Okay, can we be concrete because we You get the, the gist? Uh, good. See? That's the sense of humor. Look, look, look. Sayonara, brother. Okay. So the credits, you don't like the bear Sayonara. Is that what we're saying? All right. All right. I think there goes Joel Meyer, managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and I guess we're I guess we're gonna leave it at that in today's credits. Thanks. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Andrea Salenzi is not named Andy, doesn't go by Andy, isn't male, and is still rolling. Managing producer of Slate Podcast, Joel Meyer, is a man. No more, no less. He has feelings. If you prick him, does he not bleed? If he were in the woods, would he be any more likely to do his business than any other polite, humane, non-despoiler of nature? He would not. I would like to make that clear, and therefore we retire the old credit sequence that we used to attach to his name. Joel deserves it. Comedy writer Mike Sachs is the author of Poking a Dead Frog, Conversations with Comedians. He's a thespian known for impersonating managing producers of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers, executive producer of Slate Podcasts, is also humane, but knows Andrea's gender and name. The Gist is part of the Panoply Network. Check out the entire roster of podcasts at itunes.com panoply. I'll spell it P-A-N-O-P-L-Y. You can get the gist in iTunes. There, you'll see a lot of the panoply shows are up high on the charts. Give us a review when you go to iTunes. Let us know what you think. Go to slate.com slash gist email to sign up for our email. You can download the app Yo! and sign up for podcast. We're also on facebook.com slash slate gist. I still have a lot of good stuff on that Iranian ship thing. We could mind that topic all day. Ah, well, Joel needed to be heard. Thanks for listening. I'm David Plotz. This week on the Slate Political Gab Fest, we invite Bibi Netanyahu to give a joint address to the show, but he did not accept. Look for us in the Slate store on iTunes or at slate.com slash podcasts.